What's up? It's Delaney, and I'd love to invite you to become an honorary co-host of the Self-Helpless Podcast. Do you want to pick episode topics and guests? Done. Want to surprise your loved ones with shout-outs on the show for a birthday, project launch, a much-needed divorce? Whatever you're up to, would love to be a part of the celebration. Get your favorite and least favorite quotes featured on the podcast, submit questions for our special guests, and find lots more new features and surprises at patreon.com slash selfhelpless. You'll also get added to our patron insider email list to easily redeem rewards via a quick email reply because we know hanging out on Patreon isn't everyone's thing. You can also opt out of emails if you prefer to be a silent supporter of the show. And don't worry, we do not Scrooge McDuck these contributions. 100% of proceeds go directly to operating expenses that make this weekly podcast possible and available to all. Learn more at patreon.com selfhelpless or simply click the link in this episode's description. Thank you for helping me fill the void of being the last standing host of the Self Helpless Podcast. Thank you so much. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Self-Helpless Podcast. I'm Delaney Fisher, and today we are joined by a fantastic guest. Sara Casper is a consent educator and owner of Comprehensive Consent, which is an organization that provides consent education to kids, teens, and adults. And during this episode, let me first just say that Sara makes this topic and conversation around consent really approachable and engaging and even fun. And I learned a lot. So Sara shares how we can practice consent daily in our relationships, what that really looks like. She offers tips for people pleasers who aren't used to communicating their desires and needs. You know, regularly we talk about social media and how that's impacted the discussion around consent, how popularity and approval plays a role in this, and even offers some exercises you can do at home with the kids and adults in your life. So here is Sara Casper. Sara, thank you so much for being here today. I cannot wait to dig into this with you. Yeah, there's a lot to dig into, so I'm very excited. Thank you for having me. Yes, it is a big topic, lots to talk about. Before we get into it, you want to share your favorite or least favorite quote with us? That's how we like to kick off this show. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to share, as a jaded New Yorker, I'm going to share my least favorite (laughs) Uh, and that is don't ask for permission, ask for forgiveness. Oh my gosh. Yes. Drives me crazy. Oh, it makes sense. Especially with what you do for a living. That's just, that's perpetuating all this shit that we don't want to keep happening. Exactly. And it's people ask like, uh, why is, why is the lack of consent so rampant? And I'm like, because we're telling people not to do it. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I didn't even think about that. I haven't heard that quote in a while. And yeah, totally makes sense. And even when it's not that quote, it's totally that sentiment of like, just go for it. If you mess up, you'll just fix it later. And it's, there is some truth in that, but there's not enough balance on the other end. Right. It's like, listen, if you're about to, you know, cook some spaghetti and go off recipe, hey, have at it. But it's like, if there's another person involved who could be harmed, that quote is not for everything. There needs to be a disclaimer on that quote. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Totally agree. Uh, well, you're already crushing it. So uh, let's hear a little bit about, you know, what you're doing with your organization is amazing. How did this come to be? How did you get into this work? So it is an actually, I think, unexpected answer. I came into this work through Acro Yoga. I've never heard of that. Do you yeah. That? Yeah. It is not such a mainstream uh, art slash activity. Yeah. It is. I like to describe it as a movement practice, kind of circus-esque 
Uh, but that instead of using an apparatus like trapeze or aerial silks or a trampoline, let's say, yeah. you're using other people. Oh, like you're climbing on top of each other type of stuff and pulling exactly. each other's arms and things. Okay. Yes. I, ha- I have done that one time, actually. Okay. There yes. you go. Like counterbalancing, climbing on top of people. Yes. Um, like Cirque du Soleil, but like very light circus, Cirque du Soleil. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Got it. And I started this practice in 2017 and I, my brain just like all of a sudden clicked that this was such a great place to talk about consent because there's touch, there is safety, there is excitement, there are gender dynamics and norms and assumptions. There are, um, context dependent, uh, choices. Like if I'm friends with someone and have practiced with them before, my interactions are going to be different than them. And what I need from them is going to be different than someone who's new, who I've never worked with before and who I don't know. And so I started to think about how the consent is way too often just framed as this thing for sex. And I kind of started to understand how it was about so much more than that. It was about human interpersonal interactions and probably why I like saw acro yoga through that lens is because my background is in psychology and child development. And I've worked a ton with kids. And so I really started framing it in terms of these like social emotional skills that I wish like I had learned when I was little and that I want to give to, uh, kids, classrooms, families now. Oh my gosh. Wow. I did not see that answer coming, but it makes so much sense. And I have, yeah, I've been in that type of yoga class. Where I'm like, I'm supposed to put my foot on this person's back that I just met. <laughs> like, sorry, but I have to say when I left that class, it's the best I've ever felt after leaving a yoga class. So it's like, if everybody does feel safe and comfortable and everybody has like the same kind of goal in mind, it's a really an, an incredible experience. Yeah. Quick, uh, just funny mention about like that. This is not the answer you were expecting. Yeah. I remember like six months into my business, my dad was like, so consent education, this is taking off. Is there something we need to know? <laughs> and I was like, I'm like, he couldn't say it straight out, but I was like, no, we're, we're good. Thank you for asking. Like we're good. Acro yeah. yoga. Yeah. <laughs> Like, like your dad was like, did I fuck up? <laughs> Is that what he was asking? <laughs> He's like, you're teaching like parents and teachers about consent. Did like, did something happen to you as a child? Did I do something wrong? I'm like, nope, nope, nope. Like, thankfully, oh my gosh, like yes. I'm very lucky we're in the clear. And yeah, people are always surprised to hear it when I say it's not about sex. They're like, you're just, you're just pretending. I'm like, no, no, no. This really came through acro yoga. Right. Wow. Oh my God. That's so funny. It's like, I picture your website with a little, little disclaimer at the bottom. Like my dad treated me great. Don't worry. (laughs) Really? Really? Um, So why don't we just start with, you know, the basics of what is consent or what is the definition of consent around this type of thing? Yeah. um, That is a great question. And I will follow up with, are you looking for a legal definition or are you looking for a social definition? Both baby. Hit me with both. Sure. Because they're often conflated as one thing and they're very different. Okay. Interesting. So legal consent means different things in different states. So there is no one definition of consent. Also, depending on what country you're in, there's definitely different laws about it. Um, There's within legal consent, there are um, indications about age, about sobriety, um, sometimes about coercion, but it varies from state to state. And it's required, but not sufficient in terms of a conversation about consent. Mm. What I find is that when most most people not in the legal world or not when they are bringing a, a, a case to court, when they are talking about consent, they're actually talking about like social ethical practices of safety and respect. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of think of consent in two ways. 
Um, when it comes to consent in terms of the body, I think of consent as a practice that upholds bodily autonomy. So, which requires a definition of bodily autonomy, <laughs> which, which like, I'm like, yep, we're going down the rabbit hole. We're going to have a lot of branches off of this <laughs> definition. I love it. <laughs> yep. Yep. Um, so bodily of or relating to the body and autonomy, self-governance, independence, So really it upholds people's right to make decisions about their body, which is where the law about sexual assault, I believe comes from is that you shouldn't just be able to do something to someone because it's their choice. Right. Um, So I either talk about it as the practice of upholding bodily autonomy, or I've been working on another definition that goes a bit deeper, but it is so clunky right now. I still love it. Even though it's awful, I love it. (laughs) Consent is a practice of creating and nurturing a mutually designed experience. Mm, So what I like about that is that it has creating. So it's active. It's nurturing. It's ongoing. It's mutually designed, which means both people are active in it. Um. And it's an experience. It's not a moment in time, a yes or a no. So in talking about legal consent, it's often pinned down to yes means yes, no means no. But again, that's necessary often, but not sufficient, where so many cases where people know their body rights were violated would be laughed out of court because it doesn't fall into this narrow definition about penetration and sex and a specific answer about yes or no. So in my work, I'm not a lawyer. I have no legal background. I know enough to talk about it, you know, somewhat, but I focus on ethical practices of consent. Mm, Makes a lot of sense. Like that definition that you shared, it's like almost, is it like co-collaborating like boundaries and expectations between, you know, individuals like one-to-one or I guess one-to-many as well. If like there's a class setting or something that makes a lot of sense. Um, so like, what are some basic examples of asking for and, or giving somebody consent? What, what can, what does that look like on just like day-to-day type of stuff? So when we're talking not about the legal definition of consent, um, you're going to get a lot of different answers about what that means because that isn't defined. Consent really is a legal term that's right. Like used in situations relating to sex and also like business and medical care and, and things like that. But I guess like a, a simple, you know, is, would you like to, may I, how do you feel about, is this something you're interested in? Yes. That's something I'm interested. Would you, um, I would like to, that sounds great. These are all just like regular communication tools to make sure that you are on the same page. And then on top of that is also as, as I advocate for moving away from just yes means yes. And no means no. There's also, are you taking into account body language, your relationship with them in terms of how long you've known them in terms of how close you are in terms of, um, power dynamics, uh, social dynamics. Where are you in space and time? Space can play a role in, in power. Um, so it is about those, like, would you like to, but it's also taking all those other features into account too. That makes a lot of sense because an example that kind of popped up for me is like, let's say that somebody is asking you, they've cornered you and they're asking you out on a date and you feel very unsafe. So you just say, yeah, like, yeah, maybe I'll, I'll let you know, but really it's because you want to get the hell out of there and, you know, protect yourself. So it makes sense that you can't just, you can't just deduct it or it can't be deduced to just somebody saying, yeah, sure. You have to take into account why they might be saying that Mm -hmm. and what outcome they might need from that. So yeah, that makes a lot of sense that, you know, some of the definitions that are out there do not do this topic justice. So there's also, as you talk about that, one of my favorite things that, um, or one of my like favorite like quick phrases that I say to people is I don't trust your yes until I hear your no. Oh yeah. Please explain this. Uh, I don't know if you've ever had a conversation with someone about dinner or maybe about sex where they're like, I'm down with anything. I'm down for anything. And I'm like, that is incorrect. Right. Like that is just not true. So I want to hear you say no to something. And then I can believe that when you're saying yes, it's real. Like, do you have the ability, um, 
in general, do you have the skills to say no? Because that is a skill that a lot of us aren't taught and is actually trained out of us. Um, so a, do you have the skill and B, do you have the skill in this context or is the power relationship getting in the way or is where we are getting in the way? Um, so when we're talking about yes or no, if someone doesn't have the ability to say no, their yes means nothing. Oh my gosh. That is so true. I'd imagine that's really, um, like for, for people pleasers, people who have, you know, they have, they have been conditioned to put other people's needs before their own and they're saying yes to stuff, but really internally do not want to do that. Um, that can be really challenging because I guess the other person is like, cool, they're, they're into doing whatever this thing is. How am I supposed to know that they've been conditioned to say yes to everything when they really don't want to do that? That feels like that, that makes a lot of sense why you would need that. Um, you know, yeah. What don't you like? <laughs> Tell me the stuff that you don't like yeah. first. So I know that not everything is actually a, a yes. Yep. How does education or the lack thereof really around consent impact our youth? Because you said, you know, when we usually think of consent, we really think of sex, but it goes, you know, it, it's much more than that. Although obviously consent around sex is huge and very important, but yeah. How does this, how does this really affect young people and how they develop? I think they're totally unprepared. And actually statistics show they're totally unprepared. Um, it's right. It's very much talked about in terms of sex and in terms of a binary of either it's consent or it's sexual assault. And again, legally, that might be true. Like right. legally that there, there has to be a line. That's what like the laws are there for is to decide, are you on the right side or the wrong side? Um, but in truth, it's so much more complicated than that. Um, I do a program with 12th graders as like a transitioning to the real world, college, work, whatever they're doing next. And in these sessions, um, how it works is I say a statement and they go to one side of the room if they agree and one side of the room if they disagree. And uh, just last week, I did a session where the first statement was, you have to ask every time. And knowing that I'm a consent educator, they all went to the side that said agree. And then I said to them, okay, do you ask your girlfriend every time before you kiss her? And every single student except two switch sides because that's exactly it. They know, they know the, the language. They know the quick phrases. Ask every time. No means no. Yes means yes. Coercion is not consent. They know those phrases, but they have no idea what that looks like in practice because that's true. You don't have to ask your girlfriend every time. You need to be aware of her body language. You need to have conversations ahead of time about when she likes to be kissed, where she likes to be kissed, if she's okay with you not asking. All, that all needs to happen, but it's it's just not realistic that you have to ask every time. And so these students can talk about consent but they don't know how to apply it to real life practices. And so that created a conversation about why might you have to ask and why might you not be required to ask? And what are the implications of that? Um, because right now that's not discussed. And like, what do you do if you make a mistake? No one talks about consent mistakes because if you violate consent, you're one of the bad ones. Right. That's bad and there is no, right? But it's like, no, sometimes you like put your hands behind your you know, partner's waist while they're cooking dinner and they had an awful day and they're like, dude, stop. Right. And what do you do in that moment? You say like, oh, shoot, I'm so sorry. Not, oh, it's not a big deal. Right. Or I'm a terrible person and you should break up with me and never speak to me again. Right. That like self-shame of like, how right. dare I, I violated your boundaries now. Like, so there's, there's a lot of binary. And so, so students aren't prepared for what actually happens. There's a lot of research out there about how, um, students like in most of the research is done on college kids, um, how college yeah. students are pretty good at talking about consent and they say it's important and they talk about their actual practices and the consent just isn't there in the way that they were taught it. And I think it's because it's not, it's this idealistic, but completely unreasonable, um, standard. And right. so kids aren't taught how to actually navigate and make decisions using critical thinking about that context and those power dynamics. And do they have the ability to say yes or no? 
Um, and, and this is also a big one, they're not taught about bodily autonomy. And I think that they get, again, very much into the narrow focus of this is about, this is about sex, as you were saying, yeah. where it's not, it's really about upholding bodily autonomy because then you get into areas like a kiss or feeling someone up, right. feeling someone's chest. Like, where does that fall into? Right. And it's, if you focus on the definition of sexual assault, if in your state, sexual assault is only about, um, you know, penetration, then you're in the clear legally. Um, but I think most of us would agree that's, yeah. that's pretty problematic. Um, and so if they learn about upholding bodily autonomy and where the law comes from, and that it's not just about don't do this, do that, um, I think they're a lot more prepared. And it means that that's something that they can learn from the time they're young because because it's not about sex. Right. There's so much gray area. It's not just one or the other. And that's what we, I mean, that's been a through line on this show for years. It's like, we really talk about the gray area and that takes a lot of kind of communication and personalization to like who you are in that relationship with. So can you, and I would imagine also consent can also be related to something that's not even um, included in just your bodily autonomy, but also like you know, your emotional well-being and your feelings, things that are not tangible, um, I'd imagine are huge for consent too. So when you work with kids and teens and everything, what kind of, what kind of situations are you seeing where you can help them kind of correct course or, you know, give them information on, you know, going forward, any kind of examples? Yeah, I think it's, it really comes down to, um, critical decision-making, critical thinking and decision-making where they are, they learn about power dynamics. They learn about body language. They learn about um, bodily autonomy. And then they are given scenarios or they present scenarios where they have to think through what might be a good choice and why that is. Mm. as opposed to just this is what to do because no two situations are the same. Even with the same person, last week is going to be different than this week because of the person's mood or because of the setting. So right. it's way more about helping kids think critically and building a social emotional learning like toolkit right. and being able to make decisions. And that includes also, I talked about consent mistakes, but also handling rejection is so lacking from the conversations about consent. It is hard to hear a no. And with hegemonic masculinity, men are told that a no says something about their worth. Right. And even if you're, even if you're not a man, you like, you can have those, those thoughts about self-worth and, um, and if we teach people that those emotions are valid and they can hurt. And also what are you doing with those emotions then people can start to make the right decisions when it comes to coercion, when it comes to um, handling rejection, choosing what course of action to take next. Um, so yeah, critical decision-making any more, I'm going to say it, comprehensive consent, um, yeah. education, more comprehensive understanding of it's not just boundary setting. It's not just asking. It's mindfulness, paying attention to what you want, paying attention to their body, um, asking answering, checking in, rejection, mistakes, all of it. Right. So it sounds like there's, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, like a lot of thought kind of exercises when you're, when you're teaching kids and teens and stuff. So if this happened, what would you do? And that kind of opens up the discussion. Because I'd imagine a lot of kids don't want to be like, yeah, I fucked up this one time. You know, they don't, people don't want to raise their hand like, yeah, I did that. So it kind of maybe neutralizes some things. So everybody's kind of starting at that same level. Um, and so, I mean, I know people, um, you know, you get paid to teach this stuff, so I don't want you to give all your hot tips away, but is there like one exercise that maybe, you know, uh, a parent or a loved one is tuning in right now that they could do with their kid or teen at home today, or a question to bring up that you could maybe share? Yeah. Well, you bring up such a great point about like a kid doesn't want to share their mistakes. Um, and that's because often we hold kids to a higher standard than we hold adults. Like kids have to eat healthy, but like, meanwhile, like I'll eat an entire pint of Ben and Jerry's and like no one, and like I'm fine and no one's like doing anything about it. 
so it's so true. Yeah, it holds yeah. so much of a higher standard. Wow, um, I never thought about it that way. That's so oh true. Like we're so like, true. here. Let's let me project my perfectionism onto you real quick. Hold on, one sec. Yeah, I'm not perfect, so you have to be. Oh my god. Yeah. Oh, mind <laughs> is exploding. Holy shit. I'm, I'm, it's making me think of like, what other scenarios are we doing that when it, with, when it comes to kid, that's such a very basic example that I feel like so many people can relate to that. How many of those little daily things, daily nuggets are happening when it comes to the kids in our lives and families and everything. Yeah. So, and so in that regard, you can do two things with that information. The first is like, right. You're like saying hands on your own body. Um, but is the parents hands on their own body? And I don't mean for like your child is running into the street. I am obviously not, hopefully, obviously not advocating for you not to grab them, but like when they have to hug grandma, like no hands on your own body, unless they say it's okay. And does the kid want to hug grandma in that moment? Or maybe a better idea is for, um, I mean, some people will talk about like a high five or a fist bump, but maybe an even better idea is like, do you and grandma want to go color together and build connection? And then the kid will just naturally want to hug them mm-hmm. or like do, do something else that shows them love and, and connection. Right. Um, so that's, that's one piece. The second piece is in terms of like self-disclosure, like parents can talk about when they mess up and they can also say like, oh, I did this to you and like I hugged you, like nuggied your head, whatever it is. Um, whoops, I didn't realize you didn't want that. I'm sorry. And like have conversations depending on what the age is about how they've messed up. Uh, Cause we all have. Right. Um. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Um... Yeah, I actually on my it was very interesting on my Instagram a, a while back. I did a like bingo card of consent mistakes and offered people to fill them out and then join a conversation about it. Oh, wow. And Brilliant. so many people shared it. It was like 100 shares or something. Yeah. And uh like eight people responded saying I filled it out and I want to be part of this conversation. Maybe people filled it out on their own, but like, it's really easy for people to say, you should talk about your mistakes, but like, I'm not going to talk about mine. And I, again, followed in that lead where I filled out my bingo card and I posted it publicly. People who wanted to engage in this like experiment just had to tell me that they did it. They didn't have to show me the card. They just had those honest words. And yeah, so if parents share their mistakes kids can learn from them and understand that there's not this like perfectionism they have to live up to. So they have to deny any wrongdoing and be perfect. Right. We all have, we all just need to have that permission to mess up and like apologize and do better when, when it comes to everything, like we're not, nobody's expected to know everything about everything. That's just not possible. Nobody is perfect. Um, so if people go to your Instagram, they can do that bingo card exercise then. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Okay. There's, and there's a big, if people want to find it, there's like a big yellow, the like warning thing, like the yellow triangle with the black exclamation point on top of it, because like trigger warning for people who experience sexual assault, they might not want to read about like consent mistakes. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's pretty easy to find because yellow is not one of my brand colors. And so it pops out. Perfect. I have a question for you because now like with social media, this brings, I think, consent to like a totally different area of like the digital space and the internet and all that stuff. How has this kind of added to the conversation around consent, whether it's parents posting pictures of kids or, um, you know, kids being on social media or anything like that? Do you want to speak to that topic? Sure. Yeah, that's a that's a tricky one, but I think it's the same um the same values come into play, which is considering what is your relationship? Is it one of those like parasocial relationships where you're following them but they're not following you and what is appropriate in a context where there is not a like real relationship? 
um, not making assumptions, asking questions, going to their profile. A lot of, I know a lot of creators have like DM for uh, email for business inquiries, DMs are closed and like kind of listening to those boundaries that are set, not making assumptions that you have that no entitlement, especially to like most of the people I am in connection with are educators. So yeah. we give free education on Instagram, but that doesn't mean you're entitled to more free education. Um, Another big piece uh, when I talk about consent and social media with kids is thinking about body language. Um, I use a lot of video clips in, in my workshops and there's this one from the, the movie eighth grade where the main character is like really going through some hard stuff and she's messaging someone on Instagram in bed and she's using like exclamation points and like kind of happier language. And she's just sitting there like, it's dark. The music is somber. And she's just like completely deadpan, like no affect. And it's like, you have to think about that when you're communicating with someone on a gaming system, on Instagram, on text message, you're not seeing their body language. And that's a huge piece of communication. So they might say something and that doesn't mean you shouldn't believe what they're saying, but it also doesn't mean you should make assumptions and be like, but you were totally cool with it the other day. Like maybe they said they were cool with it, but if you saw their face, you would see that they weren't and not hold them to a standard that you're imagining in your head. Oh my gosh. Yes. Such a good point. And, you know, along the lines of assumptions, I know that just, you know, this is just kind of a more basic example, but um, for me, like just even assuming that something I might not care about getting consent for somebody else might really care about. This has been a kind of a through line with me with, um, when, when people are taking pictures of like friends, like we're in a friend group and stuff like that, you know, if people post a picture and I didn't know that it got posted, it doesn't bother me. I've, and, and if I look not that great, I'm like, whatever people who know me know what I look like. And there's better pictures if they come over to my space or whatever. But some people are like, please take that down. I do not want that picture of me up there. Or they know which friends to ask permission for before posting. And they know which friends don't really care. Do you want to speak to that too? That what, what we need consent for might not be the same for everybody or other examples. How do we deal with that shit? Yeah. Uh, right. It's about, it's about that communication piece and not making assumption and not just recognizing differences, but also validating them. Cause yeah. I think a lot of people talk about like recognizing differences, we're all different, but then it's like, yeah, but you have to validate that those differences are okay. And it's okay that you want me to ask, um, before posting a picture online, it, it doesn't. And and be like, okay, cool. Thank you for telling me. I'm not, Oh, fine. Right. right. I know I listened to your episode on gaslighting and it's like, how it hit hard because I'm like so much of there's so much gaslighting in consent of like your boundaries um the fact that you think this is important is all in your head it's not actually important this isn't a big deal you're imagining things um and not the case right and like it's sometimes you don't even know that there's all these differences until you mess up and then you have to fix it. I've to- I'm totally guilty of that because the picture thing has not been a thing for me in my past. I've posted and then people were like, oh, can you take that down? I'm like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I didn't, I wasn't able to step outside of myself for that because it just hasn't been something that I have had to think about. And so now I do, you know, now I do about literally everything. Anytime there's a picture or something. Um, and so I think it's like, it's okay. It's okay to mess up. You just have to, it's, it's how you navigate that mess up and don't make, make, don't make the person feel bad about having that boundary or those feelings. Um, so yeah, assumptions is a big part of it that I completely relate to and resonate with. Um, I was thinking about the, the, when you were talking about kids, cause mostly I work with like kids, teens, and like, I call it like the adults on their team. Yeah. Um, and that's, a, that's one that I have a lot of ethical tension about because kids are getting positive attention from their parents when they're being photographed and when they're taking videos of them doing silly things and posting them on TikTok. And it's like, how much are they really able to give their permission 
for that with understanding what's happening and like seeing kids like perform and create habits that make the parents happy rather than just living their life and having their parent away from their phone and connecting with them. Um, so there's like, I think like kind of levels to this, there's like not posting pictures of your kids on social media at all. There's posting them, but like with their permission, but depending on how old the kid is, like, what does that mean? Um, and yeah, just something very much to take into consideration. Also, is it a one-time video or is it like these like famous little kids who like are constantly bombarded with video and pictures. Um, it's definitely an element. It's not an element of consent that I, that is the focus of my work, but I think it's really important in helping kids listen to their body and advocating for themselves so that they start to build those skills when they're young and can use them when they're older. Right. That's just got to be such a challenging position to be in as a parent. I'm not a parent. I don't have any kids, so I don't, I can't speak to that, but that's going to be so hard because, you know, the kids are seeing all this, all the technology, the iPads and the phones and all that stuff. And they know about social media very young. And sometimes they're like, yeah, please share this picture of this piece of art I made on your Instagram. And then it's, and then it could be up to the parent. Like, do I want to do that? Do I want to say yes to the kid who's super excited about it or do I want to hold off and, and disappoint the kid? I mean, there's so many different ways, so many different right. examples you can even think about with that. This is probably like the right age, like the right generation of like when you would go to the mall and there would be like model scouts there. No. And like, oh it's my gosh. <laughs> like there would be like these, like you can be featured in like a gap catalog, like fill out all your information, oh pay for headshots. God, yes. Yes. Okay, you know what I'm talking about? Yes. Yes. Right? yes and it yes. was that thing where I definitely was telling my mom, sign me up, sign me up, do the thing. And like, right. She had to decide, like make that really hard decision as you were talking about of like, she wants to do this, but like, is this right for her? And where also, where is that want coming from is that want coming from because of validation is that want coming because when you said the artwork piece because you're proud of your artwork maybe show it to a family group like again all these considerations where there's not like one right way to do it but it's what are you taking into account yes oh my gosh that's so interesting and I feel like these the kids now I mean they're gonna they're not gonna they're not gonna know of a time or remember a time or experience a time without social media So it's this thing that's just kind of a given that you're on there. And I feel like they're going to have to do a lot of work to ask themselves, do I want to continue to be, even though it's been the norm for my whole life? Can you, like the people that are tuning in right now who feel like they've been conditioned to be people pleasers and say yes to everybody and everything. And maybe even as you know, growing up, if they said no to something that disappointed their parents, they were like punished in a way how can they get really clear um, and and communicate to somebody what they actually consent to and what they don't? Is there some kind of practice or exercise they can do to get more comfortable with that? Yeah, I, I think calling on your social support for help in terms of having conversations with them and telling them, very vulnerably. So easier, easier said than done, but I'm trying to get better at setting boundaries. Will you help me with this? Because people like to help other people. And then, so it also, it gives them um, a chance to a say any boundaries that have been like crossed multiple times in the past, like, Oh, calling me after nine o'clock, it gives them a chance. I'm trying to get better at boundary setting in general, but one of the things specifically for us is like, I know you like to call me after nine o'clock. Is it okay if that happens less or that doesn't happen anymore? Um, So it tells them that A, it's not personal. It's like a thing that, um, that the person like confronting the other one, person A telling person B, (laughs) it's person A saying like, this is, this is something I'm working on in general. It's not about you person B. Um, and it also gives them a chance to, um, it also gives the other person a chance to check in more. Like, I know I do this, um, sometimes where if I'm like, I was seeing someone for a while in the beginning of the year and 
because of the pandemic, we'd usually like cook dinner at my place and then like watch a movie, like do a game night or something, whatever it is. And one time we, we made dinner, we were sitting down and like, we put on some like comedy special while uh, eating it. And then like, obviously it doesn't take like an hour to eat dinner. Um, but the comedy special was like an hour long. And so maybe like 30 minutes in, I, I turned to him and I, I, he's told me he's a people pleaser. And I said like, Hey, so just checking in, like, do you want to finish? Like, I know we put this on for dinner. Do you want to finish this special or do you want to put it on pause and finish it another time? I'm just like checking in and and giving support to a person who has difficulty setting those boundaries. I wouldn't know that if he hadn't told me that he's a people pleaser. Right. It gives them, yeah. Like it gives that person permission to be like, you know what, actually, yeah, I don't, I don't really want to watch the rest of this. Is that cool? Cause yeah, it, it doesn't, it's like, you can be aware that you have that difficulty, but it doesn't change overnight. Like your actions don't change overnight. You have to teach yourself or like unlearn or relearn all these different skills. And so having your friends or your, you know, your network kind of know about that is super helpful as you are building that, like basically like a new habit. Yeah. And in, in specifically in like sexual situations, um, I find that physical gestures of saying like, no stop or less are a lot easier. So doing like a tap out of just saying like, instead of saying like, Hey, I don't like that. Like doing a little ear pull, whatever it is, like some kind of signal where you don't actually have to speak. You can just like gesture to them. And you've talked about what the gesture is ahead of time to help you get more comfortable with setting your boundaries is often a lot easier for people than actually saying the words, Hey, that's too much. It feels like less like you're accusing someone and more just like, I'm like, I'm connecting with you. I'm touching you. We're okay. I just need this. Right. That's a, that is a good tip too. If it's hard to say right now, what other thing could you maybe do? Um, So when it comes to consent around sex, how early on are like with, even within your own program, are you mentioning that at some point? Like what is the age that that usually comes up or is it like, ingraining, you know, these, um, this skill set with kids to where that kind of becomes, I don't know, the norm or kind of like a no brainer when they get to that age, it's like, Oh, I've been doing this for years. Or do you have to have a separate conversation about it? That's exactly the idea. The second piece that I do think it's important for, for teens to learn about the legalities or tweens maybe to learn about the legalities of consent, because just like you want to like talk about like the legalities of like drinking or drugs or driving, like that is important information. Yeah. However, not, it's not sufficient. Um, a lot of consent education programs right now are like, right. Like a 40 minute conversation about sexual assault. Um, and that's important, but that's not the whole story. It's a lot more about like, have they built the skills? Cause as you said, like it takes time to do this. So are they learning the skills over time in this like K through 12, setting with social emotional skills and with bodily autonomy so that when it time comes to conversations about sex, they can actually yeah. answer those questions themselves because they have all of that experience and all that knowledge. Right. Right. Is there, do you have any ideas of how like schools or programs or anything can implement consent education just into their, you know, daily routine or curriculum? Yeah. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, obviously, aside from hiring me. Um, <laughs> yes, which like please talking, do. <laughs> um, no, but the truth is there's so much opportunity to do so. So a lot of schools yeah. do require now, um, or states require social emotional learning to be part of a curriculum. And uh, for those who are not familiar, it's it's based on these like five tenets of like self-awareness, self-management, relationship skills decision-making and there's a fifth one that I'm forgetting now, social awareness. Mm. Um, and it's the idea is to build social emotional skills and those programs are often fantastic. And there isn't conversation about the body enough. The body is just like part of it, but not distinct from it. And I think because we live in a society that has a lot of puritanical 
a big puritanical foundation, it is important to make distinctions about like, it's okay to talk about your body and like your body boundaries matter. And just like, that is your truck and you don't have to share it with your friend. That is your body and you don't have to share it with your friend. Um, so more, I think within SEL, um, curricula, social emotional learning curricula, talking about the body, um, just talking about more emotions, talking about emotions in general, more feelings, right. Um, more feelings of like, how does it feel to say no? How does it feel to ask? That's such a vulnerable thing to ask someone. It's intimidating. What if they turn you down? Um, what if, you know, uh, they laugh at you. So talking about how it might feel so that kids can prepare for those feelings and know that those feelings are normal and it's not a reason not to ask or not to, um, say no, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, mindfulness in general, if you're able to tune into your body, you're able to use that information to help guide your decision-making, uh, conversations also about power dynamics and social dynamics. So yeah, gender, like we need to talk about it. We need to talk about authority figures. Um, we need to talk about popularity and how popularity and can impact consent choices. Um, so when it comes to conversations, again, about bullying or peer pressure, these are also great opportunities to talk about consent because those things are in a lot of schools, just like sneak it on in. Yeah. Can you actually speak to the whole idea of the popularity one? Like, how does that inform consent? That's an interesting one. Yeah. Um, especially with, with teens who like social approval is way more important than like basically anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, being aware and understanding that other people are also pressured by popularity and understanding that if you're popular and you know it, like you can use that for good. Um, power itself isn't bad. It just is. It's about how you use it and you can use your power for good. And like, like, it's like men calling other men out, right? That's using your power for good because you're going to be listened to a lot more than if I call you out. Um, so it's the same thing with popularity of like setting the tone of like consent matters. Um, and also recognizing if someone's having a hard time setting a boundary with someone who's popular, that there is a good foundation for why social acceptance is important and it definitely feels important. And it's okay if you mess up and you don't say no, even though you wanted to, like there were competing things and like what got in the way, what can you do next time? How do you, um, prepare in that situation? Also, um, experience, which often goes along with popularity or similar. Like if someone's more experienced in terms of like drugs, alcohol with kids, um, in terms of, uh, the kinds of sexual encounters they've had, you're also going to look to that person to guide you and to lead the way. And so that's also a power dynamic. So are you using your knowledge about the drugs, sex, alcohol, whatever, to help the person make an, a good decision for themselves? Or are you using that to pressure someone into it? Um, so I think it's important for those first, those people with power. And then also the people who are experiencing like the other end of the power to like, kind of forgive themselves a little bit and understand that like, it's a real, it's a real thing to need social acceptance. Like it's evolutionarily like adaptive. Um, and so that can get in the way, but maybe like you'd want to distance yourself from that social group the next time or practice your boundary setting skills a little bit more or call on a friend for help. Um, yeah. So yeah. Popularity. Yeah. Is a big oh man, that is so true. And another thing that kind of just came up for me too, is I have been in positions before where I didn't even know that I wanted or needed consent about something until I didn't have a chance to consent it. Like some, you know, whether it's work-related stuff or or personal or something, something has happened where, oh, I didn't even know that I would have wanted to have a conversation about this thing before this person moves forward until they did. And so I think it's also like knowing that you might, some, some part of it, at least for me, I might not even know the things that I need boundaries around or want boundaries around or want consent around until it's kind of in my face and like, oh, I didn't even think about this before, but I do want to put a boundary in this spot. 
Um, is there anything that you want to add to that type of murkiness as people are, you know, getting, getting older or whatever? Yeah. Um, two things are coming up. The first is, I can't believe I didn't say this before because I talk about this all the time, that consent is different than permission, right? Consent is like a legal term. And I talk about consent as a practice, but often what we're talking about is permission. Like, can I borrow your ex? Can I kiss you? Like the idea that you are getting consent plays into this idea that consent is, can just be like defined by a moment, which again, in legalities, sometimes it can, but in like ethical relationships, it usually can't. I think of permission as like one of the steps within consent. Like part of the consent practice is like often saying yes or no, like that often is the case. Um, or at least like half the time is the case. Um, but practicing consent means, are you also paying attention to body language? Are you also checking in, which was what I was going to talk about? Like, are you paying attention to what you want or are you doing something because you feel pressured either by someone right there or by societal norms? So that's when I think of the practice of consent, it's not that one question and answer. Um, Permission is part of that. But then like, I think of also like you have permission to to borrow my makeup, but are you going to treat it well? Like that's a healthy relationship. We're sure you have permission, but like, what does that look like afterwards and during? Uh, Makes sense. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Um, So as you were saying about like, sometimes you don't know your boundaries. And until they've already been crossed, I think that's why checking in is so important. So in that example of like watching the comedy special, like it's, I know it's hard for him to say in the moment, like, why are we watching this? There's also a lot of um, plug for Betty Martin, who talks about the wheel of consent. She's fantastic. Mm-hmm. She talks a lot about it. Like, who is this for? Like, if he thinks we're watching the comedy special for me, he's not going to interrupt and say, Hey, do you still want to watch this? Cause that would be invalidating. If I think we're watching it for him, I'm not going to say anything. And so checking in allows you to be like, who, who is this for? Do we, do either of us want this even as opposed to just like, like the natural progression of like kissing and then shirt off and then clothes off. It's like, are you checking in that? Like, or is this just based on assumptions and what we've seen in movies? So I love the idea of like, who is this for? And checking in really helps with that. Oh my God, my mind, it's being blown because I, a million, a million examples pop up in my head where it's like, yeah, you're like, it could be as simple as making plans with a friend or something. And it's like, you know, you both kind of just land on this event or restaurant or something. And then you find out later on, like, oh, I didn't really want to go. I thought you did. No, I thought you did. Why the fuck are we here? Stay home and order pizza. Um, so that's so interesting. And like, obviously having that conversation ahead of time is so much easier and more efficient. And you have a better time after if you figure that shit out first before actually doing the thing. Then you're mm-hmm. both kind of doing something that you, you know, is kind of an energy suck or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and checking in also after, um, I've had a couple of experiences where um, I've brought feedback to others okay. about my experience. <laughs> yeah. And, and they were like, yeah, I did feel something weird. And I'm like, so why didn't you check in? So if you feel something weird because that, like, I don't know what you want to call it, energy, whatever is there, you notice that someone's mood changed, someone's body language changed. That's the opportunity to check in and be like, hey, how are you feeling about this? So that the person doesn't have to like say like, hey, is now a good time for feedback? person who I went on to dates with. Like I just give you some like really intense feedback from a consent educator. What can I give you notes? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's happened. Oh, it's happened. And I'm like, and, and I'm thinking of two examples specifically, like both times the person was like, yeah, I did feel a change. And I'm like, say something. Right. 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 I also, I've also been in positions too, where, um, you might be afraid to say something in the moment because you don't want to hurt the person's feelings. You don't want the relationship to be awful after or something weird where I've actually been in positions where I really like logically, I want to say something right now, but my body is like, it's shut down. It's like, I don't have that skill set yet of always saying how I feel in that moment. 
And it's really hard to learn that as an adult, you know what I mean? And I don't know, it's, it's just, um, we had somebody on recently who was saying like, even starting with very simple things, um, I think Justine Carinos who said that, um, starting with a simple thing of like, you know, if you get a wrong order at a restaurant telling them, hey, I, uh, I actually didn't order this, can I get what I ordered, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. is like nice little nuggets of places to start. Is there a little nugget where somebody can start today of I'm going to start practicing giving consent or giving permission, even maybe when I'm not asked, because I just need to build that muscle. Yeah. Yeah. I think about, oh my gosh, this was actually, I'm pretty sure it was a comedian, a writer who did like a, tried to get a hundred rejections have you heard about this story? Oh, uh-uh. I, her name is Emily something. I'm pretty sure. Okay. Um, but it was this comedy writer who, um, I think Adam Grant's podcast did an episode on her, um, okay. who decided that she was getting, she was getting really like frustrated with the fact that she wasn't having work and she was so scared of being rejected like that was part of the problem. So she reframed it in terms of, I want to get a hundred rejections by the end of this year, which meant she had to apply her writing, her job, whatever it was to a hundred, at least a hundred places. And it ended up being that she got in the New Yorker and the New York times because of that, because she let go of that fear of being rejected. So I've tried to like incorporate that like kind of mindset of like, it is a win to get a rejection because it means you tried. Yes. So you're, and because we can't guarantee that the, that the server at the restaurant is going to say, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Let me get you your order right away. Right. They might say like, um, no, I wrote it down. This is what you ordered. Like they might say that. And that's true. And so it's not about like this, uh, this is often taught like this, like illusion that if you, if you do the right thing, the, the goodness will follow. And right. that's not true. So it's right. about being prepared to practice the skills and hear whatever response you hear. In those low stakes scenarios, right? Customer is always right. You probably will be okay. And so that can build up some steam, um, yes. build up some momentum. Um, yeah. So that, I don't know, just talking about, right? Like, I love that idea of asking for things. Um, yeah. Owning your desires, asking for things that you want and whether that desire is a stop or a go, right. like where the, whether that's something you want more of or less of, um, either way, that's like owning, owning your desires. That's another piece actually of like the, who is this for when people say like, do you want to kiss? I'm like, I think you're telling me you want to kiss. <laughs> right. 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 Like, like you're not really, I want to kiss you. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, when we say like consent is sexy, like that's what it's like. I really want to kiss you right now. Like, yeah. how hot is that? Like, how, <laughs> as opposed to like, do you want to kiss? And it's like, well, do you? <laughs> like, who is this for? And it's okay to like right. what you want. And for me to say, I don't want to kiss right now. Or like, yeah, that sounds amazing. Yeah. And talking about your wants and desires without, with, or like trying to reduce the shame from that. Yes. Well, yes to all of that. I also love what you said about like, yeah, you can't guarantee what the waiter's response is going to be when you say, hey, I would like what I ordered, you know, please. Um, and I think it's important to like, yeah, it's not about the outcome. You can't control the outcome. It's about you taking care of yourself in that moment and really practicing that. So it becomes like, you know, your new nature, basically. Um, and it's so interesting that you said that, um, the hundred rejections thing. I, I heard about a similar, um, you know, theory a long time ago. And I think it was actually based on a children's book, I believe of like the method of a thousand no's or something like that. Mm. And I, and that is the mindset I get into too, when it's like, this is a little bit scary of whether I'm going to be saying something for the first time, or I'm putting myself out there in a new way, or I'm pitching myself for something is instead of having instead of being so attached to every single interaction of like it's make or break or life or death, your new goal is actually just to rack up as much rejection as possible. So it's like when you get no's and stuff, it's like, oh, 
Joke's on them. I was trying to do that. Thank you so much. Now I can put it on my tally board here and I'm one step closer to my goal. So I love that too. And I think that can be utilized for anything. Like I'm going to start practicing setting boundaries and speaking that. And I, I need to kind of detach myself from caring so much about the outcome that I stay silent. So let me get in the mindset of, I'm going to try this. I'm going to do this a bazillion times for the rest of my life. And my goal is to just rack up instances, mm-hmm. you know, or rack up things that are uncomfortable. Right. You know? And that goes for setting boundaries. That also goes for asking. Yes. Um, whereas like ask, like, it's not just, uh, did you say no, but like, did you ask for the things that you want? Um, because again, like most, the, the main problem isn't that people can't set boundaries. I, well, that is, that is a difficulty, but the real problem is that people don't know how to ask and check in. And so it's like, practice that practicing, practice asking and checking in. Um, even if it's about right, right. Like dinner, like, um, do you want me to use more salt next time? That's a check-in and people do that all the time when a Netflix show ends and it's like autoplay the next episode, check in. Do you want to watch another episode? Um, like you're giving a massage to your partner. Is this too hard? Do you want lighter? Where do you want to be massaged? Um, and then if they say like, oh, it's fine, it's fine. Again, we go back to that, like, I trust your yes once I hear your no. You know, you can give them options. What about like this? What about like that? What about like this? And so they, you can help again, encourage them to say what they want and you are encouraged in the skill of checking in. Right. I I, I love that because it almost feels like you're, you're, taking the burden off them a little bit, knowing that they have difficulty and you're like sharing that with them. Well, this has been fantastic. Do you have anything else that you'd like to share about consent? Whether it's, you know, common misconceptions that you want to debunk or like any words of wisdom that you want to leave people with today. Pressure's on. (laughs) Closing statement. Your last words. Pick them well. I'll say what came to my mind and then I can regret it later, which is great. Um, <laughs> no, this is this is what I say. This is um this is a phrase that I say like over and over again, which is like get out of the mindset of did I get consent and start getting into the mindset of how am I practicing consent? Because it is not just this moment of like, but she said yes, but she smiled, but he did whatever. It's like, that's a piece of the puzzle, but did you consider body language? Did you consider power dynamics? Did you consider setting? Did you consider the relationship in your history and past conversations that you've had? (laughs) I did say that all in one breath, but like, right. Like how were you practicing consent? There's, there's a great moment. I show this clip to uh, kids as young as like fifth grade um, in the movie, the half of it, where this, um, boy is explaining to this girl, like teen, they're both teens. And he's explaining how she asks, how did you know she want, she wanted to be kissed talking about someone he went on a date with. And he goes, well, she gave me a look and, and she goes, what kind of look? And he tries to like reenact the look. And it's just hilarious. He looks <laughs> like he's like kind of constipated. And like every single kid in my, in my, my class is cracking up because it's like, yeah, that's so absurd that like you're determining consent over this look. It's like, how were you practicing? The look might be important, but what else did you take into account? If someone is labeling it, if someone says they got consent and they specify like one piece of it, I'm like, eh, that's weak. Like, good, good. I'm glad you paid attention to something, but like, I really think we need more because human interactions are complicated. There's a lot of social things going on. There's a lot of emotional things going on. So consent is a practice. So keep it ongoing. Also give yourself permission to mess up, but only if you're also like actively practicing. I love that. I love the idea of not thinking about consent as a moment in time, but as a daily practice. And that, that is a huge takeaway for me. And also with what you recently said, another big, big takeaways, there's been so many from this episode, but just for my own thing, like I want to start like practicing asking more questions and also giving more statements about mm-hmm. how I'm feeling or what I'm desiring or what I'm wanting in that moment. And I think that's something that we can all do um, for ourselves and other people. So Sara, this has been amazing. Thank you for taking the time to be here today. Where can people find you and your work and all that good stuff? 
Thank you, Delaney. It was, I will nerd out about consent anytime, any, anywhere. <laughs> uh, just ask people I've gone on dates with. Uh, <laughs> um, so people can find me at uh, comprehensiveconsent.com on Instagram. I'm comprehensive consent, basically on all platforms. Um, yeah, I do workshops both in school and virtually. I have some posters for parents and younger kids. I have a curriculum for kids in grades one through four, first through fourth. Uh, so there's a lot out there. And yeah, I'm just, I'm so grateful to be uh, on the show. I love this podcast. Oh, thank you. Well, that was amazing. Wow. So many great tips and takeaways and nuggets from that conversation with Sara. Sara, thank you again for being on the podcast today. Before we wrap up, we do have an iTunes review of the episode. This is from Mindy Wesley. It says, love this podcast. This podcast is keeping me sane. Keep up the amazing work. XOXO. Mindy, thank you so much for taking the time to write a review. You feel free to leave a review. Yeah, just click a button, click some stars, put a little note in there that you'd want us to see and it might get read on the show and it's very much appreciated. And if you are an entrepreneur and you're looking to simplify your business and your life um, for more freedom and revenue and just more peace of mind all around, feel free to come join me at the Aficionado Podcast. That is what that platform is dedicated to supporting entrepreneurs with and would love to have you. I hope you have a wonderful day and we will see you next week. Thank you so much for listening to the Self Helpless Podcast. You can find our Patreon community, merch, and our individual work at selfhelplesspodcast.com. We'd be thrilled if you shared this episode with a friend or feel free to post it on Instagram and tag at selfhelplesspodcast so we can repost you and say thank you. Yeah.